that with all the uncertainties of this life, and there are so many uncertainties, which is why we're anxious in the first place, that the one and only thing that is certain in our life is God and that he can be trusted. So we're gonna focus this morning on verses 25 through 34, but you'll notice there in your bulletin that I've included verses 19 through 24 as well because I want us to see the clear connection that Jesus is making here. So if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. This is Matthew chapter six, starting at verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, make your word precious to us this morning. We need your help in order for that to happen. So by your spirit, would you come and open our eyes and ears to see and hear and to believe. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. I said a minute ago that I wanna focus on the second half of that passage, but you'll notice at the beginning of verse 25, the word therefore. It's really important because it's connecting what Jesus said in verse 24 with what he's about to say in verse 25 and following. So what what does he say there? It's part of an argument, right? He said that we can't serve two masters, that we can't serve both God and money. And the question is why? We can't serve two masters because inevitably our hearts will go after what we treasure and value most. And if it's money and wealth and possessions or whatever it might be, 
That's what we'll give our lives to. That's what we'll make our life about. But what Jesus is saying is that those things will never truly satisfy us. That if we tether our joy to the things of earth, we will never truly be happy because cars and houses and clothes and jobs and a fat retirement plan and good looks, those things are fleeting and they won't endure. So don't give your life to them, Jesus says but rather put your hope and your happiness in something that will, and that something for us is God. Because Jesus is saying here that if God is indeed our treasure, if God's indeed our treasure and he's our delight, if we live to love and to serve him, and if we seek first his kingdom, like verse 33 is gonna tell us, then he can be trusted to take care of all the rest. He can be trusted to take care of all the rest. And we won't need to worry. We won't need to fear because he's the kind of master and he's the kind of father who delights to care and provide for his children. That's where Jesus is headed in these verses, that when our faith, get this, that when our faith and our trust in and love for God increases, that our fears and our anxieties begin to decrease. That's the idea here. Jesus explicitly says in this passage three times that we should not be anxious. He says it in verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. And he says it again indirectly another two times. Verse 27 and 28. So that's clearly the point of this passage, that we should not be anxious. And what we really see here is the tenderness and the compassion of Jesus because he knows how prone we are to anxiety. And he wants to build our faith. He wants us to be able to see the Father for who he is and to be able to trust in him that he's got us. And whatever situation that we are facing, that he's got us, that we can lean into him and that we don't need to be fearful. So Jesus gives us at least seven promises Seven truths here to help us fight against unbelief and be free from anxiety and fear. So let's, let's look at each of these briefly because I know I just made some of you anxious by saying that I have a seven-point sermon. So fear not. We will be brief on each of these, I promise. Look at the first thing he says. He says that life is much more than food or clothing. It's much more about It's much more than what we have or what we don't have, that this is good news for us. Look at verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is an argument from the greater to the lesser. And it goes like this. If if God cares for life itself, if he cares for life itself, which is the greater thing, then he will most certainly care for the things of life, like food and clothing and everything else. That if God has given you your life and given you your body, which you did nothing to bring about, he gave that to you, then you don't need to worry about the things of this life because he will give those to you as well. Now we need to take a quick minute to unpack the last line there because it gets at the issue of priority and value of what our life is ultimately about because Jesus is saying that life is more 
than those things, that our bodies are meant for more than those things. We all know that food and clothing are important, that we can't physically live without them. But Jesus is saying that they're not the most important thing. There's so much more to us, brothers and sisters, than what we have, what we possess or don't possess in this life. So if that's true, if our food and our clothes are taken away from us, or if we die for lack of them, which is happening daily for Christians around the world, that we can't be robbed of our real life. That we can't be robbed of our resurrection bodies. That's the point here. It's because what matters infinitely more in this life is what we do about Jesus. What matters infinitely more is that you and I exist on the planet. We were created to know and to enjoy God forever. That's the point of life. So Jesus is saying that we need to be really careful about what value we give to certain things. Because the more value we give to something, like money or health or our children, that if we hold too tightly to those things, the more fear and anxiety will begin to rule and reign in our life. So what he is doing is he is shifting our focus to what really matters, to things that have eternal value and significance. And when our focus begins to shift to those things, then money and everything else in this life will begin to be put into proper perspective. So whatever it is you're worrying about, whatever you are fearing today, whether it's being liked by people, and that's what you give your life for, or whether it's having a successful career or a perfect family, Jesus promises that your life, when you come to the end of it, is more than whatever that thing is. So you don't need to be anxious about it. That's the first weapon that Jesus gives against our anxiety. The second thing he says, is he tells us to look at how God providentially cares for creation. Look at the illustration that he gives in verse 26. It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I don't know if you like to watch birds. I'm guessing we have some bird watchers in the congregation. I know very, very little about them, but I've been pointing them out to our two-year-old ever since she was born, but we get a lot of blue jays and cardinals in our yard. But here's one thing that I've noticed about birds is that they aren't lazy, are they? That they are constantly doing something. They're picking berries, they're looking for worms, they're flying back and forth into the trees and building nests which is really valuable insight for us when it comes to the way we should view our work. But here's the thing. Birds don't have refrigerators like you and I do. They don't have the ability to grow their own food like you and I do. They don't have retirement plans like we do. They live in the moment, but God provides for them. And the Bible is saying here that if God cares and provides for the hundreds and of millions of birds in the world, that if he cares for birds that are of so much lesser value to him than you are, then will he not also care for you? And the answer, of course, is if if that's true, and we know it to be true because all we have to do is look out our window, that if that's true, the answer is, of course, yes, he will. And Jesus means for that to comfort our souls 
when we are growing anxious and fearful about the future. My wife, uh, Natalie, and I were having breakfast the other morning with our daughter, Vivian, and we had the window open in the kitchen, and there was this squirrel out in the tree uh, next to our house, and he was just barking his little head off. That's what squirrels do, right? They bark. I think that's that's true. But he was just sitting there barking, 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 and I looked over at Vivian, and I asked her what she thought that squirrel was saying, and she answered. She didn't skip a beat. She answered immediately, theologically, I might add. She answered immediately, Jesus loves me. This I know. And Natalie and I look at each other and we say, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. That's exactly what he wants us to know and to rest in and to believe. So if you need a daily illustration of God's promise to love and care for you, as you fight for faith against anxiety with all the uncertainties of this life, then Jesus says to us, look out the window. Look out the window because if your father, if your heavenly father, we need to get that because he is that for us. He's heavenly, he's sovereign. He rules all creation and he provides for all creation. But he's also our father and he is good and kind and generous and compassionate, that if he cares and he provides for birds and squirrels who don't have the same value as you do, who weren't created in his image like you are, then will he not provide you with what you need in the way that you need it most? So when those familiar anxieties and fears begin to surface, turn off the TV, get off the couch, and go outside for a while because... Your father wants to tell you something. He cares for you and he loves you. The third thing Jesus says, he says, look at verse 27. We shouldn't be anxious because it doesn't accomplish anything. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? This is a a simple, practical argument. And the point is, none of us can, right? So Jesus is saying to us, stop torturing yourself because that's exactly what we're doing. And this is sobering for a lot of us because we lie awake in bed at night and we're just constantly worrying, constantly fearful. And Jesus is saying to us, it's not accomplishing anything aside from giving you ulcers and adding more stress to your life to a more miserable situation. So Preach that to yourself. Worrying does nothing. Look where he goes next. He tells us to consider something else in creation. Verses 28 through 30. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. You'll notice that this is similar to the argument he just made about the birds, but it's not exactly the same because there the argument was that we are of more value than they are. But the truth that it's meant to encourage our hearts here is that if God is sovereign, if God's sovereign rule and care extends, think about this, if it extends to the seemingly insignificant color of a lily, or a tulip, 
or a wildflower out in some field that we may not ever see that will be gone tomorrow. And how will he not care for his children who will be with him for all eternity? That if he takes the time to give them such beauty and such splendor that puts even Solomon to shame, who had the finest things that money could buy, how much more valuable are you to him than they are you who will live forever? Here's the thing. Jesus isn't shying away from the fact that you and I will die someday. You and I will die some. We're actually 40 plus minutes closer to the day that we are going to die. And the reality is for some of us, we may not be alive this time next year. So Jesus isn't shying away from the fact that we will die someday. But the point that he's driving home for us is that God will clothe us. Get this, God will clothe us with a glory and a beauty that will never fade. It'll never fade. You know, Peter, who was here when Jesus gave this sermon, listen to what he writes in his letter. This is 1 Peter 1, 4. It says that we will be given an inheritance that is imperishable, that's undefiled and unfading. And Jesus, later in Matthew chapter 13, he's gonna say that the righteous, that we will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. So Jesus says to us in our anxiety, give careful thought, give really careful thought to the lilies and the grass of the field. They are illustrating for you God's promise to clothe you with his own glory. So why do you worry about your health this morning? Do you not know that he will raise you from the dead to eternal life someday? Why are you anxious about money? Do you not know that you will inherit the entire earth? That's what Jesus is saying to us here. And then he, then he exposes for us the real reason why you and I are anxious. Look at the last line of verse 30. It says, oh, you of little faith, Jesus knows how frail and fearful we are. And he's being compassionate and tender with us. But when all is said and done, at the bottom of our anxiety, the vast majority of our anxieties, is the simple fact that we do not trust God. That we lack faith, that we have little faith. Not no faith, but little faith. And Jesus here is trying to strengthen it, build it up with promises. Promises that God is ultimately good, that he is sovereign, and that we can trust him with every single detail and uncertainty of our life, that with everything that is uncertain around us, he is certain. And I know for me personally, this, this truth really hit me hard just a few years ago where God exposed to me my lack of faith. That I remember it was just, the future seemed really uncertain for me, for my family. Our daughter was about to be born. I wasn't exactly sure what was gonna happen. And apparently I was dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And so I started having anxiety attacks, which was incredibly humbling and even humiliating in some ways for me. I've never experienced it before. 
I know that I wanted to control the situation. I thought that I could do a better job at controlling and running my life than God was doing. That I wanted that control. I wanted to know how things would pan out. And one of the more merciful things that the Lord taught me in that time was that all the control that I thought I had was just an illusion. And we have some control freaks in this room. We love to be able to control things, don't we? We want to be able to know what's gonna happen today and tomorrow and every day after. But what was taught to me was that control was just an illusion. I didn't need to be in control, but that God was in control and I could trust him. And so it forced me to ask the question in that dark time in my life, God, do I really trust you? Do I really trust you? Do I really believe that you are sovereign in this situation, that you are actually working for my good, that you are totally 100% for me? And some of us are wrestling with that very question this morning. Does he have us? Can we trust him with whatever that thing is that we are fearful about? Because a lot of us are facing scary things today. And they're creating a lot of fear and anxiety because you are staring down cancer or some other illness and you don't know what next year holds. You are afraid that you might have to live the rest of your life alone. Your kids are rebelling. Your finances are in the tank. Your marriage is falling apart. But one of the worst things that you and I can do with fear and anxiety is to pretend that we don't have it that we're strong, that we can handle the situation. But the best thing that you can do is to ask God to help you trust him, to say, I need your help here, Lord. Because I don't have this. I need you to keep me. I need to know that you got this. That's why Jesus is giving us this promises to build our faith and trust in God. We need to keep moving. Fifth reason, your father knows what you're what your needs are. Verses 31 through 32. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. All we have to do is turn on the television or go online or look through our mail in any given day to see what the world is trying to sell us. Now, what we really need to be happy and content in this life is a nicer house with nicer things to go in that house. That what we really need is a newer car or the latest technology or the newest fashion or the more exotic vacation or the 2.3 kids or whatever it is. That's what we really need in order to be happy. We feel, don't we, the constant pull to anchor our joy in those things to make our life about them. But like Jesus said in verse 24, you can't serve God and money. So the question is, what will we give our lives to? What will we be about? Because God's offering something better than the things that we tend to worry about and define our lives by. He says, we don't need to be fearful or anxious because we have a father who knows that we have needs. Now we need a job to provide for our family, that we need a car to get to our job, that we need a house, that those are all good things. But part of our problem in our context 
in wealthy America is that we have difficulty confusing what we need from what we want, don't we? We have difficulty understanding our needs from our wants. We still need to do the hard work of dealing with our misplaced values. I like what one guy said that I read this week. He said, whatever everyone in the world is obsessed with, God makes a distant second. He'll give you what you need to live on. Listen to this. If you need him in order to live, he is our greatest need. Sixth thing, verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you've been around church for any amount of time, this is such a familiar verse that it's really easy for us to just turn it into a slogan. This is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that when we make our lives about what God is about, when we care for the things that he cares for, And when our ambition in life is to know King Jesus and to make him known, that when we begin to see our money and our resources as a way not to increase our own standard of living, but to be open-handed and to be generous, to use our money to increase the fame of Jesus in the world, we will have everything we need in this life to do what you and I were created to do. Because Jesus is not promising a carefree or trouble-free life here. In fact, the Bible says the exact opposite, that there will be famine and there will be nakedness. We know that there have been many of our brothers and sisters around the world who have died for lack of food, who have frozen to death. Paul says in, in Romans 8 that we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Jesus isn't promising physical comfort or long life, but what he is promising is that when we commit our lives to him, he will give us everything we need. And whatever trial and whatever difficulty we face to endure to the end, that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. We don't need to be fearful or anxious because in the end, we will get God. Is that enough for you? That in the end, we will get God and everything else. I love what one one person said about this verse. I think he's exactly right. Let me read it for you. He says, every fear and anxiety that you currently walk in, no matter how legitimate or illegitimate, in the end, all of them will seem silly 20,000 years from now. 20,000 years from now with the king of glory, looking back on what we were afraid of in this season, it will feel silly to us. That doesn't change the weight of today, but it does grant us hope to believe that seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness has all of these things added to us. Now hear this, because it's important. It says, you will not use God to get bread. You will get God and he will be enough for you. Sometimes our fear and our anxiety will lead us into more of him. So let whatever you are anxious and fearful about today lead you deeper into God, deeper into trusting him, into finding him to be your greatest treasure, that if you have him, you have everything you need. So give your life to 
to what matters most and God will keep his promise to you. That's the argument here. As Paul says in Romans 8, 32, listen to this. He said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's the promise. Seventh, last one, look at verse 34. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, most of us live our lives waiting for the next shoe to drop, don't we? That we are constantly living in tomorrow land. And because of that, we don't have the capacity to enjoy God's goodness in our life today. We're just waiting for our kids to begin rebelling. We're waiting for the diagnosis we fear. We're waiting for our spouse to leave us. We're waiting and we're fretting over the next disappointment or whatever triggers anxiety for you. And it's easy for us not to give thanks to the Lord for all the good things that he has given us today. Jesus says that sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Listen, guys, he, he knows that every single day that we live, that we will have trouble, that we will have fears and we will have anxieties. So the question is, how do we overcome them? How do we defeat them? And the answer is we rely on the mercy and the grace of God that is available to us today. If you remember last week, our assurance of the gospel was Lamentations 3. And the writer there knows a thing or two about an uncertain future and about anxiety. This is what it says. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They never come to an end. They're boundless. They are endless. They will always be there. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So how do we fight today's anxieties? We fight them with today's mercies. Tomorrow's mercies are not for today's troubles. And tomorrow's troubles are not meant to be borne by today's mercies. So when you get out of bed tomorrow morning, you're gonna have new anxieties and the great promise is that there will be new grace for you. There will be new grace for you, new mercy. So don't worry about tomorrow. Live in the grace that has been given to you today and more grace will be given to you tomorrow. Let me, let me end, end with this. You know, if we need an example, which we do, of someone who has lived like this, who's modeled for us what it means to live by faith, to trust in God's promises, who knows even better than we do what pressure and stress and discouragement feel like, who too faced suffering and dying, who walked through fear and anxiety and yet found God to be infinitely trustworthy and faithful and good, that he keeps his promises without fail, then we need only look to Jesus, amen? We need only look to Jesus and to put our trust in him because he lived and he embodied this kind of life. 
that the Father can be trusted, that you can lean into him when it feels dark and things feel scary. You know, you might be sitting here thinking that, you know, those promises don't really do much for me. That's just not where I am. Let me say this, that what Jesus promises here is only the tip of the iceberg of all the blood-bought, Jesus-purchased promises that are in the Bible for us. Because brothers and sisters, these promises do us no good if Jesus didn't go to the cross and rise from the dead. He bought these for us that he could reconcile us to the Father. So my encouragement to you is open your Bible because whatever you're facing this morning, whatever you're facing today or tomorrow, there are promises for you. God wants us to trust in him. So are you fearful today? Are you anxious? The invitation for us is to be honest and then to lean into him because he is good and he loves you more than you could ever imagine. Do you believe that? Do you trust in that? I pray that God will give us grace to believe it so that our fears and anxieties, whatever we're facing, will begin to fall away. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It is our life. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he knows us so well, that he stoops to where we are and he gives us reason after reason, promise after promise that you, Father, are good that you know what we need, that you are sovereign, you are ruling and reigning over every single detail of our life and we can trust in you, that you have our best interest in mind. God, I pray that you would make us your, our, make us our treasure, our delight. God, so that the things of this world would not have such power over us that we could be generous with what we have because we've been given you and you are the greatest value, the greatest treasure. So Father, I pray that you would calm our anxious fears. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.